Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. And, and, and what I want to talk about today is motives. I, I am coming to grips with the fact that, that motives matter. In fact, I, I don't know if you've been keeping up with some of the things and the major tragedy that happened out in, was it Idaho with, with these college kids and now they've identified. And, and Amy and I, we watch a lot of like, uh, like, like I joke around about this, but like if something ever happens to me, just so you know, my wife did it. All right, just, just go ahead and like, she's gonna, she gonna know how to do it and get away. We watch so many crime shows, but it's always so funny because the first thing they're trying to do is they're trying to discover what was the motive. And once they discover the motive, then it's like it all, like, okay, now we know why it happened. And, and that fits not only a, a crime, but it also fits like our life. I believe a lot of times the reason why we are struggling is because we, we're having the wrong motives. We have a lack of understanding. And when you don't have the right motives, you know what you're lacking? You're lacking motivation. And when you don't have motivation, then you find yourself just sitting there going, oh my goodness, there, there we're in a whole another year. Now we're in 2023. What am I gonna do? And so I wanna help give you motivation by giving you a good motive. And it starts by giving you some understanding. It's James chapter four, verse one, and listen what it says. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Now, personally, I'm like, that's a good question. Yeah, like one of the things I say on a regular basis is the question of the the careful of the questions you ask because they'll determine the answers you seek. And a lot of times people are discovering the answers. The problem is they just ask in the wrong questions. And that's how life is, is starting to unveil to them. Well, this is one of those that, that James looking at this, this church, this Jerusalem church, and seeing some of the conflict that's going on. And he's like, dude, why do you fight? Why do you quarrel? And he's on the end of talking about the power of the tongue, right? And, and a part of the tongue is this fighting and this quarreling. And then he gives them the answer. He gives them the motive. Like, here's why you're fighting. Listen to what James, Jesus' brother, says. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? See, I, I believe now more than ever, one of the biggest struggles that we have is that we want too many things. We have this, this passion in us. You know, it, it's, you know, I, I joke around, it's the beginning of the year, right? I'm in a major struggle. I want to be healthy. I also want chocolate cake. <laughs> it's like, so who's going to win? Don't be laughing. All y'all like, like, that like chocolate cake's winning. You would be correct. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like, like I go and work out at Planet Fitness Whoever wanted to build a Dunkin' Donuts by Planet Fitness is a genius. <laughs> you got fat people going to work out. Let me put a donut shop right beside it. And it's like, yes, sir. I ran on the treadmill for two hours. Why? Because I'd like the jelly-filled one, please. <laughs> you, you have these passions, right? And they're at war. And you're trying to figure out, like, like what, what am I really motivated by? And if I can, why? listen, talking about losing weight at the beginning of the year, if you can just get to where you can see a little bit of the difference, then you got motivation, right? 
The problem is, is when you've been doing this for eight, nine, 10, 12 days, 14 days, 20 days, and you're like, oh yeah, I dropped a pound. And you're like, dude, I can eat a donut and be at a pound. You're not seeing a difference. This is the reason why at Crossroads we talk about all the time that we want people to know God. We want them to find freedom. We want them to discover their purpose. And then we want them to make a difference. If we don't get to the difference, you're not gonna be motivated and you're gonna struggle. That's what most people's issue when it comes to their faith. They wanna know is trusting Jesus and being obedient to Jesus and being in his word, does it make a difference? Because if it doesn't make a difference, then just like me wanting a donut, I'm like, well, let me just eat the donuts. Well, that's what he's talking about here. He's like, you have this passion that's at war within you. In fact, he actually defines it in, in two different ways. And, and I just wanna go through this, listen to this. He's, he's two types of passion. He decides, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. I love the two examples that he gives because he says, you do not have, so you murder. And you know what I was thinking about? Now realize this is James and he, he knows the Old Testament. And I'm sure when he's telling this, writing this epistle in the back of my mind, this is not in God's word, this is Mickey's translation. I bet he's thinking about King David. You went out on that rooftop, you saw Bathsheba, you're like, mm, I want that. You had this passion raging in you and there was something you couldn't have. And so what'd you do? You murdered. You took something that didn't belong to you and then you tried to, to get him drunk and he still wouldn't betray his, his army and he wouldn't sleep and so then you just got him to storm the gates and you had everybody back off and you killed him. Uriah, and you just, it's one of those things like you, you, you have these passions and you have something that you want and you want it so bad and you can't have it that you're willing to murder. You're willing to kill. That's what I think about in the, as, as far as God's word. In 2023, here's what I think it looks like. You want something so bad that you'll kill other people's dreams and passions in order to get what you want. Like you'll take away from other people. You'll do things to belittle other people. You'll fight and you'll quarrel and you'll snatch. And you'll take other people's hopes and dreams and you'll snatch them from them. Why? Because you want something and you have this passion that's raging inside of you. And then he talks about this covet. You, you covet and, and cannot obtain and I thought about the Old Testament. I thought about Genesis, Genesis chapter 16 through roughly about chapter 21. And I think about Isaac and Ishmael. You know, the, literally the reason why we still have, like there'll never be peace in the Middle East. You realize that, right? Like if there's peace in the Middle East, that's because there's a new heaven and a new earth. Like Jesus, is, there's never gonna be peace in the Middle East. And it doesn't go back to some leader here recently. It goes all the way back to Father Abraham. And it goes back to Sarah and Hagar. And it goes back to Hagar having Ishmael and, and then Sarah having Isaac. And, and it's a, you, can, you can read the biblical account. It's in Genesis. And the whole thing is this aspect of, of wanting something you can't have. In fact, Sarah ends up banishing them, making them leave. And it's a story that's so accurate because we know it's in God's word. But even in false writings, 
It still has the same story in the Quran. It's just twisted and false in the what it reads. But it's this concept of what? They covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. Well, that's our land. The Gaza Strip's our land. No, it's our land. That's where the temple's supposed to be. No, that's where our temple's supposed to be. Well, we're going to rebuild the temple, and God's coming back. Well, no, you're not, because that's where we put the dome with the rock. And that's, it's the same quarreling. And I think there's a lot of times for us, when we can't obtain something, as Americans, we take it personal, don't we? Like when we can't obtain something, we, we believe in this free spirit of democracy. And we grew up with our parents saying, you can be anything you want to be. If you just work hard enough and have enough belief, you can accomplish anything. And because of that, we let that, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but we allowed that when all of a sudden we can't start obtaining something, then we see who does have it and we start fighting and quarreling and belittling because it ends up being an insecurity issue for us. How come they have that and I don't? And then we actually get to know these people and realize that they ain't really got it. It's all a facade. And then we start looking at some of this stuff and, and we say, you know what, I, I would rather just have my everyday, ordinary, simple life, right? Because sometimes be careful what you chase because you may just catch it and find out it wasn't worth chasing. But these passions are at war in us. And then he gives us like, like the how. James gives us the how, and it's, and it's so important. And it's the end of verse two. It says, so you fight and quarrel. And then listen to what he says. You do not have because you do not ask. Like the first motive, the first reason why people don't have the things that they have in their life is because they don't ask. Now, can I just preface this? This is not the basis for you to believe in health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. This isn't, mm-hmm, thank you, I need a Cadillac. That's not what this is talking about. What James is talking about is that you're so consumed with your passions that there's things that you could have and you're so detached because you're so self-consumed that you don't even realize there's things that you could have. In fact, the way I wrote it in my notes is there's normally two motives that usually go with this. There's either a lack of wanting something, so therefore you're not asking for it, or there's a lack of recognizing where the resources come from and you're asking the wrong person. Like I, I joke around at my house. Like Brent will go up to Ellie and be like, Ellie, you wanna go get Chick-fil-A? And I'm like, Ellie ain't got no money. Ellie gonna be like, yeah, let's go get Chick-fil-A. And I'm like, yeah, but you, you better be asking daddy or mama because guess what, Ellie can't drive, Ellie ain't got a job, and Ellie ain't got no money. You know what that means? That means Ellie doesn't have any say in this decision about whether or not we eat Chick-fil-A. They've realized because they got older brothers that are awesome, like that we can, like I'll go ask my brother. Why? Because he can drive, he got money, and, and they love me. And then they realize, no, you go ask dad. <laughs> We're going to spend dad, you know what I'm saying? No, they'll take them, they love them. But it's like, like you got to ask the right people. Like one of the reasons why you don't have is because you don't ask. And it's the concept that like there are things that God wants in your life and as you're entering 2023, can I encourage you to make sure that you're asking the right people and you're asking for the right stuff? Like there's gonna be some things that you're asking for and then God's like, God never listens to my prayer. Well, no, he does. He just knows that what you're asking for, you don't really need. 
but there's other things that he would love to give you. He just wants you to want it. He said, Mickey, give me an example. Well, I, I think about fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those would be some amazing things to have in your life, right? Is there anybody here that says, I don't like those? I really would not like to be loved. I really would not like to have self-control. Joy, yeah, don't really care. No, those are all things we're like, yeah, let me have those things. And God's like, I'll give you those things. They're fruits of my spirit. Well, how do I give them? Then you gotta be obedient and get in my word. In fact, Psalms writes it this way. I actually wrote this. If you have a paper Bible, write this scripture in your paper Bible. It's Psalms, and it's a very great verse. It's Psalms chapter 33, verse four. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I'm sorry, it's 32, four. 32, four, my, my highlighter smeared my ink in here. All right, but it's one of those things, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We want to turn around and be like, if you love Jesus, he's going to give you everything in your heart. And God's like, that's not the way it works. If I've not become the thing that is satisfying you, if Jesus is not where you find your delight, then your heart, you got a heart issue. And God's saying, I ain't going to give you that. Why? Because the things you're asking for are not good for you. Let's go back to my kids for a minute because, wow, I got five. I know a little bit about kids. And they range from 21 to nine. Why? Because I got kids. <laughs> and my little girls come up and they're like, woohoo, we got stockings. This is great. Daddy, can we eat all the candy? You can. You say, you let your kids eat all that candy? Yep. Because they ain't got to do it but once. I'm like, I wouldn't recommend that. If you eat all of those chocolate-covered cherries in one sitting, your stomach's going to hurt. What started out as a good thing turns into a bad thing because you ain't, you're, not, you're not being diligent. You're not stretching it out. You're putting too much in your system. Go back to me being a fat boy liking donuts. One donut's great. Twelve donuts, that's not so good. You know how I know that? I've tried it. What started out as a really good thing, by the end, was like, I will never eat another donut from there again. Why? Because of the way that we, we don't have self-control. We don't learn how to be diligent. And Christ is up there saying, listen, if you want some of the things that are in your heart, I want the same things. I just need to make sure that, that your heart is got, like, like my heart. I got to make sure that your desires are, are my desires. Well, how do I do that? Delight in the Lord. Find your joy in Christ. Find your fulfillment in Jesus. And I promise the more you're in his word and the more obedient that you are, the more you're gonna find that he opens up his floodgates. And you're like, wow, this is amazing how this works. And he's like, no, it's not amazing, it's his word. It's a simple principle. But he doesn't stop there. That's the first reason why they don't have what they have because they simply, they're just unaware. They're just not asking. But then he tells you why they're not asking in the next phrase. And it's the second one. And listen to this, this, this is where I really dwelt a lot. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Some translations will say that you ask wrongly to spend it on your self's desires. In other words, everything that you want in your life, if you get it, it only benefits you. It only benefits your own selfish passions, your own selfish desires. It doesn't have an impact. It's where you've heard me say, if you find yourself in the middle of the room with the greatest influence, what are you gonna do with it? And I'll give you a hint. It's not to hoard all the influence and put it on you. Like what God wants you to do is what? Multiply the influence and put the influence back on Christ. 
But we want to turn around and do what? We, we, we want to make it about us. And so even when we're asking, even when we're praying, even when we're petitioning the Lord and storming the throne on the behalf of others, if we were to really get honest, majority of the things that we're praying, if they're answered, they directly reflect us and affect us. And God's saying, listen, quit asking for stuff. You don't have what you could have because you're asking out of your own selfish intentions. Go back to my kids one more time. I've got one that's really smart because she's figured out. She'd be like, hey, you guys, you and mommy won't go on a date? I'd be like, yes, I do. Why don't, why don't we load up and you can take mama on a date and we'll go to like Longhorn? And I'm like, that's a good idea. And then when I'm sitting at the restaurant, I'm like, that sucker, they just wanted to go get a steak at Longhorn. They tricked me. Amy Lou, I don't like to shop. Amy says, hey, you want to you wanna go get some Chinese maybe down at the mall? Yes, I do. I'd love to go get some Chinese down at the mall. Everything involves around food in my life. And she's like, and maybe when we get done, maybe we can hit a few shops. And, and if we're there long enough, maybe we'll stop by Chewy's. Oh, I like Chewy's. Next thing you know, I'm down there, I'm going, man, I'm shopping. <laughs> she didn't say, hey, you want to go shopping? Nope, I don't want to go shopping. It's like, hey, you want to go? Hey, I want to go eat. You know, it's well, like I end up at fall festivals for hours because they had a smoked turkey leg. And I get over there, I was like, you didn't tell me there was a fall festival. You just said they had smoky, smoking turkey legs. She's like, well, they do, but they also have all this other stuff. Listen to me. That's the concept that's going on here. Jesus is literally, James is writing in this epistle, look, I got some stuff for you. And if you will get the right motives, like there's so much more that I'm going to open up to you. But he's not trying to trick you. These people, they were, they were all about selfish motives. They were trying to trick each other. Like it's the story of the Pharisees and the scribes. Amazing people, very religious, knew God's word. The problem is they had the wrong motives. And Jesus looked at them and said, you're like wash white tombs, like like you, you look great on the outside, but on the inside, you hold dead bones. And he said, well, what do I do about that? Well, listen to what James says, and we're almost done. Verse four, he literally calls them out. He says, you adulterous people. Now, it doesn't take long to think about this, but what does adulterous mean? You're not faithful. You unfaithful people. Like you're letting your passion and your desires create you to, like you're cheating. You're cheating on Jesus. You're letting your passion and your desires trump what he's willing to give you. And despite him being the best and providing for all your needs, you're compromising the relationship because you have desires that you can't control. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Now, I want to hit a pause button because I want to make sure this, this is one of those areas that's probably one of the most misquoted scriptures. I want to go back and read it. And, I, and if you have a paper Bible, I want you to underline a few words. It says, though, whoever wishes to be, underline a friend of the world a friend of the world. And then he keeps going. He says, a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 
Or do you, and therefore whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes him an enemy of God. And then this next verse. Or do you suppose it is no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has for you? Let's back up one verse prior. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Underline the word friendship with the world. Like I wanna make sure you understand this. There's a lot of people out here that have this philosophy and they take this verse where it says that God does not want you to be friends of the world and they translate it this way. You shouldn't have friends of the world. That's not what this scripture's talking about. You shouldn't have people that are worldly and they're your friends. That's not, this is not talking about people. This is talking about a belief. You cannot be friends with what the world believes and then discharge what God's beliefs in his word says. If you find yourself always believing only what the world believes, not people of the world, what the world's philosophies are, if it feels good, do it. Go get your own. Don't worry about what you gotta overcome, just Go, go over everybody and, and go get yours. You're the number one person. Do what thy wilt. All those different stupid philosophies. It's Freud. You know, everything's driven by pleasure. Pleasure drives everything. No, it doesn't. Everything's driven by purpose. And if you'll discover your purpose, then you'll find where your joy is. It's not by satisfying your pleasures. It's by satisfying your purpose. But what he's not talking about here to this Jerusalem church is that, hey, guys, those people don't know Jesus, so therefore you shouldn't be friends with them. And I don't know where in the church that came from, but what God's actually calling you to do is to be salt and light. He's wanting you to, to go in and, and have, have a guard, understanding that, that I'm not gonna let them become the major influence in my life. But Jesus' example was what? He left heaven and came into this world and he befriended people and he felt compassion for people and he sat at the table with the tax collectors and he, he, was, he was friendly and loving so that they would understand where the love came from. But these people, they went to the opposite extreme. And so that's just kind of a rabbit trail, but I wanna make sure you understand that if you ever have somebody say, well, you know, in James it says, you, you shouldn't be friends with people of the world. That's not what it says. It says you're not to be friends of the world. It, it lumped the whole world together. And then it uses this word, enmity. An enemy and enemy come from the same Latin root. One of them is an action that if you don't get control of it, you result in the noun. Anemone is the hatred and frustration and being against something. Enemy is when you let that build up so much that now you take a stand against something. And so what it's saying is, you know what? If you allow yourself to dabble with worldly beliefs that are not in God's word, then you're gonna allow it to build up in your life. And before you know it, unintentionally, you're gonna find yourself standing as an enemy to God because your beliefs are totally against what his word says. You say, Mickey, how does this show up in 2023? It's very sneaky. 
Like you'll find yourself under the umbrella of trying to love people that you compromise God's word and you end up standing against God and his word. And what he's telling you is, listen, I want you to love people, but I want you to love people under my umbrella of God's word and saying, but I'm not gonna compromise what God's word says. Like I can love you despite what your beliefs are. I can be in this world, but not be of this world. I can be salt and light. Well, the only way you can be salt and light is you gotta be what? In darkness or be around something that's tasteless. And so that's what he's calling us to. And then I love, love the end. I love the end of what he says. He says, but he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you were to look at this and you were to study the Greek, you're gonna realize that kind of like how we have prepositions in the English language, the aspect of resist the devil and he would flee from you is actually bookend. It's booked in by, by two actions that it's calling you to do, that if you'll do these two actions, then that's what causes the resistance to be able to, to be, have longevity and it will cause Satan or the devil to, to flee from you. Now, just for a minute, I need to give you a little bit of theological background. Satan ain't that powerful. He's gonna be at one place at one time. So when you feel like Satan, I promise you he ain't attacking you. He ain't, he's at one place and I'm sure it's not in Cleveland, Tennessee. But I do believe in spiritual warfare. But the bookends are this. If you look at it, if you want to resist the devil, knowing that he will flee from you, then you have to submit yourself therefore to God. That's the first bookend. See, here's the thing I wrote down in my Bible. I wrote yourselves in a little arrow, not just your circumstance. Like all of us wanna resist the devil and we're like, Lord, I'm gonna give you this circumstance. I'm gonna give you this, this, this opportunity. Like I'm dealing with this in my life and I'm gonna give you this situation. And God's like, I don't need the circumstance of the situation, I just need you. I need you to submit yourself to God. The circumstances and the situations will work themselves out if you'll submit yourself. Because I've always been in the business of changing the world through people. And then when I change the world, I change the situations and the circumstances. So if you wanna resist the devil and watch him flee from you, then don't just say, Lord, I want you to be in this situation. Just say, you know what, Lord, I, I, actually, I don't even know what to do with this situation, but I know this, I'm gonna give you me. I'm gonna make more time for you. I'm gonna get in your word. I'm gonna spend some time praying. I'm gonna pursue you with reckless abandonment. I'm gonna make sure that at the end of 2023 that I'm a little bit closer to you. And that's what the other bookend was. And God said, listen, and if you'll draw near to me, there's a promise. He said, I will draw near to you. Like, like one of my favorite things in marriage, I mean, it is one of my ultimate favorite things. It's when me and Amy Lou are riding around in the truck and I, and I put up that center console. And when I put up that center console and she slides over close to me. I get, I'd smiling just thinking about it. It's like, it's, like, it's like I'm giving a little effort. Like, hey, I've moved the barrier. Now, there's been times I've moved the barrier. And she'd be like, what are you doing? I'm trying to, 
trying to get a drink here. Got a cup holder. You know, I'm like, no, move. You know, I'm joking. But that's the way God, God's like, listen, if, if you'll draw near, if you'll put that, if you'll get rid of the barriers, God's like, listen, I'm going to slide up next to you. I was joking earlier about different people in our church and how I feel safe around them because of their physical attributes. But that's nothing compared to what I feel when I know I'm close to Jesus. I can sit in unexplainable situations and have peace knowing that God's in control. I can walk down a a stage full of prayer requests that can be daunting and know that God's gonna answer. I can be in a, a detrimental situation that should cause things to unravel, but still have peace and joy knowing that my faith has given me the ability to look at the mountain and say, get in the sea, and it jumps. You say, well, Mickey, what do I got to do? A few things. Start asking. And when you ask, don't ask out of selfish motives and passions, but get God's heart and delight in him. And he needs you to increase your obedience level, and that's going to start with you increasing your effort level. And then the other thing is he's like, listen, I want you to resist the devil. Like as you are moving forward and things are happening, just know you're going to wrestle. And it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and other things in this, in this spiritual realm. And he's like, and you'll resist the devil if, if you'll submit yourself to God. What does that look like? Hey, God, I'm not in control. So I'm gonna let you be Lord. See, there's a difference in having Jesus as Savior and having Jesus as Lord. Savior, you no longer go to hell. Lord, now I'm gonna do what you call me to do, not what I wanna do. And then I'm gonna draw near to him. I'm gonna gonna get rid of the obstacles. I'm gonna put up the console. And I think God's over there going, oh, I didn't wait for you to get rid of that so I can get a little bit closer to you. Like, I love you. Like, you put an obstacle way back in the garden called sin. Man made that choice. But I came down and made sure that there was a way to get rid of that choice through a cross. Get rid of the obstacles in your life. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give. Once again, thanks for listening.